Hello and welcome to Bringing Education Home. I'm Herb. And I'm Christina. Together we are bringing you ideas about education, entrepreneurship, and relationships that are both inside and outside the box. If you like the show, be sure to follow Christina on Facebook and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Today we have the pleasure of having Janet Krebs on with us today and she is a recent acquaintance but we met through a common group that we've been hanging out with and networking with and it is wonderful to know that the queen of pop and she'll tell you what pop means in just a minute but the queen of pop is joining us today to give us some helpful tips some insights and working with parents welcome janet so glad you're here thank you it's really exciting to see you guys vibrant family education who doesn't love that that is the plan exactly we want to make sure that our families are vibrant you know they're growing and developing and making the best choices for their children and for their families and i know that we have a common goal in doing that as well helping those families helping those parents be productive and helpful for their children as they continue to grow yeah the family is the the core of our future mm -hmm. as as you know we we need we need stronger families in order to create a more stronger environment and this more stronger you know, nation. So, you know, we're, we're doing our best to, to, to take that where we can. And I think it's interesting because we met in a networking group that is strictly to help uh, visited. Uh, all of the members have families as their top priority, which is fantastic because that's, like it took me a while to find them. And once I did, I was like, oh, good, I'm home. People that actually align with my with my ideologies. It's really been fun. So, so if you are listening in April of 2023, next week on April 12th, this family group that we're talking about, the um, Role Model Makers, is actually having a family summit, the Health, Wealth, Wisdom Summit. Janet will be speaking. I will be speaking. Herb and I will be interviewing. So if you're visiting this podcast in April of 2023, come find Health, Wealth, Wisdom, but it's number nine. So guess what? Even if it's not 2023 anymore, I bet you'll find one either in April or October of the year that you're visiting. So check that out if you can. Janet, tell us a little bit more about you. Where have you come from? Why are you the queen of pop? Tell us what that means. Okay. Thank you. I'm happy to do so. Queen of Pop really just stands for positive outcome parenting. Mm -hmm. And I am absolutely blessed. You know, when you have those moments and it's just like, oh my God, I mean, I'm 60 this year. So I get, I get some reflective time, big time, right? That's a big number. And I am so blessed because when I look back at my resume, mm -hmm. Everything I've ever done has led to this moment. So I was in HR. I've worked with helping people, you know, find employment. I've facilitated careers. I was an educator for 20 years. I taught standard curriculum or traditional curriculum. And I worked in a space flight simulator teaching STEM and 21st century life skills. What brought me to this was reflecting on. A, my own life, I've got two fantastic overachieving children and who give me credit, by the way, that's actually key because they're that's 26 and 30. And so when they say, mom, it's because of you that I'm the amazing human that I am, I was like, 
that was very humbling. So I started to think about that. And then I was hearing these voices of many of the parents in 20 years saying, how do you get my kid to do blank, right? Because by the time I get them home, I can't get them to do anything. Yeah. Conversely, come Monday morning, I would be thinking to myself, what happened over the weekend? Where did this child go? <laughs> they were such, they were so, they were such high performers. And now it's Monday morning. I don't know what's happened. So I realized that there really was some wisdom and magic in what it was that I do with kids to, and I think a lot of it, honestly, Christina has to do with just setting them up to do more for themselves, which as we all know, or should know, breeds competence because success breeds competence and success and competence equals confidence. And when we raise confident kids, now we're really on to something because I, it's confident kids that go out into the world and just own it. So I know that we just started this conversation, but I feel like I'm coming in to the middle of it. <laughs> so what is positive outcome parenting and what is it that you do? Because you you said you've spent your whole life preparing for it. What, what is it that you're doing now? What is positive outcome parenting? That's that. So my my clients call me their magic potion mm -hmm. uh, to find. And really what we do is we analyze what's happening in their families and the areas that they want to strengthen or change. And rather than additional necessarily curriculums, I love finding the opportunities for them to experience success, the kids that is, right in their own homes. Right. So you don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to, it's not a class. You don't have to do anything. It's just parents being really intentional about setting their kids up to experience success. A lot of times that means to stop doing for kids what they can do for themselves. It's so, what, so basic. So uh, from my turn. So basically <laughs> you're, you coach parents on how to more better manage their children in the house. So kind of like we're doing with vibrant family education, where we, we, we do do teaching of the kids who I said, do do, but we do teaching of the kids. But a lot of what we do is actually the coaching of the parents on how to set up schedules, how to make the kids more successful and how to have them actually take over more of the roles that, that they can. So is, is that more what you do? I mean, yes and no. Let, let, there, there should probably be a disclaimer up front. Gosh, my hand looks so big when I did that. I should watch that. Uh, well, you'll have plenty of opportunities. Every parent out there comes from a place of love and, with, and operates from the best of intentions. So I never want anybody to feel like, you know, I like we're watching and we're judging and, you know, you should be doing this and blah, blah, blah. It's really, it's kind of like when a parent says, you know, I can't get my kid to do anything. I was like, well, did you ask? And, or were there consequences when they didn't do what you asked them to do? Are the expectations within your family framework clear? And are there consequences when they don't deliver? 
So we find like, I mean, you, you know how like we've gone through life, you know, the, the ABCs of something. There are so many C's that are connected to positive outcome parenting, communication, consistency, uh, connection, consequences. I mean, I, there's like six top ones that I love to cover. And honestly, it just, the, the most enjoyment comes when parents go, that's all I had to do. It's like, yeah, that's all you had to do. And it just, they just didn't know because they think that if I do more, I have to give them everything. I have to do everything for them, you know, or what, I mean, whatever, wherever they're coming from oftentimes. And I think Christina, you and I talked about this. Isn't it ironic that the less we do or the less we give to kids, the more they actually get out of it. I think it goes back to that word expectation. I mean, you talked about that a little bit um, on our pre-conference and that word expectation, because as classroom teachers, you and I both experienced that we didn't have a child one-on-one. So we had like 25, 30 other kids in the room, right? And so we had to have the expectations or the high expectations of those kiddos to do their best, to work hard, and then ask for help when they needed it. So instead of us giving, 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 doing it all for them, we've set up that role of they had to do it themselves first and then get the help and support that they needed later. And so, you know, the parents don't get to see that usually because they have one, two, sometimes three, four in the household. They don't have the same dynamic that a classroom teacher is dealing with. So we're coming at it from a little bit different perspective. Again, not judging, not saying that they're wrong, but they weren't handed a manual when their kiddo was born and said, here, this is how you do it. I'm working on that right now, but <laughs> writing a book is hard amongst everything else that we try and do. So that'll be hopefully within the next couple of months that will go to the publisher. But uh, yeah, I know that's like the one thing we didn't we didn't get a book. We get more information when we buy a car or you know the the air fryer or whatever the popular countertop appliance is right now. You know, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. I remember when my first, when, when Ben was born, uh, I never really wanted to be a mother. It was kind of an irony for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember my, my girlfriend, I called her one night desperate because I, 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 I guess I needed some like a cough or whatever. And I was afraid to give him anything. He was really, really young. And so she comes to the door and I'm holding him out like this. Right. And she says, Janet, you could start by bringing him closer to you and nurturing him. It's <laughs> like, oh my God. like talk about, talk about not knowing what to do initially. Uh-huh. And then, and then here we are a hundred years later and uh, doing quite well. So that is awesome. And, you know, it's one of those things that parents have to get used to, you know, if, if maybe, they weren't necessarily expecting to be the parent and then they have to be, there's those different steps that they have to do to change their dynamics, change the way they do things. You know, some of us always wanted to be parents. Um, ask him, I wanted 12 kids at first. And it's like, no, after two is like, no, two is enough. I think we can do with two. Actually, after the first one, she goes no more. But then we had a second one and she's like, 
definitely no, no more. more. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, they they don't come with books, and you know mm-hmm. everybody expects parents to know because they're parents. It's like you know having a child is so much different than being a parent, mm-hmm. and you know. We, we can reach out to our parents, but, you know, taking classes, doing all of that to, to become parents, you know, especially because you most parents start off rather young. They're they're doing stuff. They're building their career. They're in school or whatever they're doing. They don't have time to really go out and learn what they need to do. So it's like, here's a baby. Go figure it out. So that's where parenting coaches, parenting groups really come in helpful. And wouldn't you agree? I don't know. I just thought of this actually. Mm -hmm. I'm not. I know I was a little duped, but do you think every parents of today understand the epic responsibility that it actually is? Oh no. No. Right? Like I think that's part of it. Like aside from all that there is to do logistically and just from a maintenance perspective and everything else. Just the entire, like, it's this cape of, oh my gosh, now I'm responsible for this human and it's huge. And if you're not prepared for that level of responsibility and commitment, it like, you don't get a day off. Yeah. You just like you and never like, I mean, I'm, I'm my, my kids are 26 and 30. And while I don't have to, you know, maintain them anymore, and I am invited into their lives, which is an absolute blessing, it's still a responsibility to stay connected and to remain interested and to keep connect, you know, keep that communication open so that they want to share. And they still have things going on in their lives. Like both of my kids are moving in the spring. Like this is huge, like across the country, like big. Yeah. You know, this might sound a little conspiracy theorist, but a hundred years ago, families stuck together through multiple generations. So when the young parents were doing that, they had grandma, they had great grandma, they had aunts and uncles all around all of the time. So to help raise the child, to help be in that family, mm-hmm. to help them understand and to keep yeah. the traditions. But with the family basically being under attack, over the last many years, they, they've separated the family. And now it's like, oh, well, we'll send them to school and they'll learn all of that stuff in school. We'll, we'll, we'll take them to grandma's like once a year. And that, that sense of family and community that it took to raise a child is gone. And so now it's like, oh, you two now have the responsibility not only to maintain your household, but do the whole family that used to be a whole family is now just you two. And it can be incredibly overwhelming without without that extended family backup. I was in California and my husband used to work. We made a choice. Talk about a deal breaker. We made a choice to have coverage for the kids. I worked days and he worked nights. And it was great for the kids and it was terrible for the marriage. Right. However, the kids always knew that somebody was around. So that was just a commitment that we made. And to this day, they talk about that because part of our responsibility, I also believe, is to create an environment where kids feel safe. And even when the world is not safe and there's lots of things that are scary uh, out in the world, 
when home, and you kind of, Herbert, referred to this, home is really, that's our sacred place, right? So once they're in the house, like, you're good now. You're safe, even though it's just me. We're good. And that was, a, it was well worth the, the investment on that. Yeah, exactly. I understand that because as we were working, you know, I got a taste of a little bit of the other side because when Herb was working full time at Intel, he worked 12 hour shifts. So there was half the week I was a single parent because he would come home after the kids were in bed and he would leave before the kids got up. So I understand that other point of view. But again, conscious choices of even though he worked nights sometimes he would get up and go get the boys or whatever so that they would see him and make sure that he was there. And we were showing the force together, the nurturing together of the boys. Then with the 12 hour days, you know, I was also off half of the week. So Mm -hmm. it was three days on four days off, four days on three days off. So, so seven out of 14 days, I was home and there with the kids and, and we did family breakfast most of the time with with her dad and family and aunts and uncles so at least one day a week we were the the large extent extended family did get together and that was that was a very helpful yes and the advantage for my schedule was i did not have to learn the cleanup song from barney was it barney clean up clean up every yeah i didn't have to do any of that i didn't have to do teletubbies uh-huh. uh, Stephen was the the uh, preschool. We we were in a co-op, uh-huh. so he was the preschool dad. It was hilarious, and, <laughs> but I didn't have to do any of that. What, what, our, that our, kids were, our kids, thankfully, were a little bit ahead of Barney, so we didn't have to do Barney of the Teletubbies either. We there was actually still slightly better quality programming a little bit yeah. before. So <laughs> yeah, so we we understand that though. That, that purple dinosaur was really irritating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, oh, oh, wow. So when you're, um, tell me, tell us about that leap. So you were teaching and then you stopped teaching and then you created your parenting opportunities. What was kind of the catalyst? Why? Well, you told us why you did it, but how was that journey, that transition from like teaching, being in the classroom, et cetera, into this entrepreneur world? That's a good question. I mean, yeah. Well, do you just wake up one day and decide that you're going to do that? You know, I, I, I think I was coached into it. Coaxed, better word. Coaxed. <laughs> yeah. Coaxed. I I mean, I had a coach, luckily, because there was no, for me, I I didn't know anything about really doing that. And I, I really just wanted, so I left behind a number of teacher friends Mm -hmm. and they complain about, you know, traditional public education and what's wrong with it. And I could participate in that conversation a little bit, but I was out yeah. and I, I did not regret being out. <clears throat> you just kind of, so I, I, all right, here's the confession. When I signed up to be a teacher, mm-hmm. I promised myself I would never be a paycheck collector. Okay. Yep. Because we all know those teachers that just want to get vested and they just hang in there until they get their retirement. Yeah. And I was on the cusp of a change in how curriculum was designed, how school days 
were planned out. Yeah. And I decided that I signed up to teach children, mm -hmm. not deliver curriculum. Yes. And I felt like I was being asked to just simply step away from connecting with kids mm -hmm. and focusing more on delivering curriculum. I couldn't do it. I totally understand. So that was really like, that's how I walked away and it stung. I mean, it really did, but I had made a, I had made a promise to myself and I was good to my word and I don't have any regrets, but in all fairness, I think, and I was doing other things. I mean, I, I have real estate. I, I've, you know, we all have lots of ways in which we, we have extra things, things these days. Yeah. And so it took a minute, I believe for all of it to distill down and say, you know, you really were onto something. Like you really did work some magic with a lot of kids. The space flight simulator was magical. And I realized that I touched over 6,000 kids whose parents, quite honestly, it was hilarious that because I was like, who doesn't want to go and watch their kids perform in the simulator? So we had lots of parent engagement during the day. And parents would be like, can you just come to my house? <laughs> and I really felt like, I mean, I actually, there was a time when I thought I would be like super nanny. Mm -hmm. U.S. Yeah. You know, what is she super nanny or nanny 911, whatever, but yeah, she's nanny 911. Right? Yeah. We love her, Joe. She goes in and she's with Helms and she just kind of turns them upside down a little bit and gets them back on track. Yeah. And I actually had people say, you should do this. Like you should be reality TV. I was like, <laughs> I don't know that I could do that, but, right. but when you get that feedback, that kind of feedback over and over again, or you bump into families who say, oh my gosh, I remember you back at, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you just like, my kids still talk about that day that they spent with you. And uh, it, you, at some point you just have to say, I own this, right? Like I, I'd like, I think I'm just, I'm either I'd, ignorant, humble, uh, modest, shy. I'm not sure. I know I'm, a, I'm an introvert. So it just never dawned on me that that would have been a value because that was my job. Right. It came naturally to me. Mm -hmm. But then when I started thinking about, well, you know, you, you did it with your kids. You've got like this great track record in the simulator. What is it that you actually did? And I started to kind of lay it out right. and what worked. And what doesn't work and what were the keys that, or tools, maybe that's a better word. Like if you could hand somebody a little bucket mm -hmm. of tools to say, you know, if you, if you're experiencing this, here's the toolbox, let's play with a couple of these tools. And we may be able to flip yep. the results that you are getting at home and make it more positive. And for me, when it's more positive, don't we want to bring fun back to family and enjoyment and laughter and sitting around the table and less, you know, dialed into technology and less door slamming and more open doors. And so I just laid it out and I was like, you know, I, I'm just going to, I'm going to market it and see if, see if parents, if I can be of service to parents outside of the classroom. 
that was a really long answer. I apologize, but no, that's quite all right because it 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 reflects kind of my journey the last year or so as well, figuring out how vibrant family education was going to move forward and and go. Yeah. So kind of what I heard was that you cared about the children, you cared about teaching the children. Mm -hmm. So you couldn't be a teacher anymore because that wasn't actually happening in schools. Mm -hmm. And so by bringing that back to the parents, you're able to now actually have the effects that you're looking for, bring that love of learning back to the children. Mm -hmm. And and once they find that, then, then they pull it in themselves. So by focusing on the kids, instead of, like you said, the curriculum, you know, and right now it's like they're, we've already seen some posts of, of teachers who are, who are counting down to the end of the school year. When Christina first started, yeah. when Christina first started teaching, it was like, oh, wow, I'm going to have to say goodbye in three weeks. And then towards the end, it's like, man, I can't wait for these next three weeks to be over. So that, that kind of it told me it was time. Yeah. So yeah. that, that countdown of, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose them in three weeks went away. And so now with the flight simulator, they, they got that back. And, and so now with, with what you're doing, you get to be, oh, look, she's back. She's here. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. It's really, yeah. Kids lives. yeah. And you know, when we, when we positively impact kids I mean doesn't I mean it, it, that just extrapolates out to everything you know like you know happy home happy you know it goes beyond you know happy mom happy life kind of or happy wife happy life when you have a happy home like that for me home you know that whole little sentiment home is where the heart is but home is foundational exactly Right. And if we, when we shore up, spackle, put some concrete filler into a rocky, shaky, uneven foundation, then I, be, I mean, I really believe that that's our responsibility as parents. Yeah. We are frontline leaders. Like we're demonstrating that to and for our children. So it's our responsibility and privilege, quite honestly, to create a really solid foundation so that as they go through all of the developments, you know, uh, then they are ready to leave the nest with confidence and, and they're going to kill it. But one of my favorite stories, Ben was like one, he was really agile and he spoke he talked really early uh -huh. and he he looked like Winston Churchill without teeth it was actually really cute but <laughs> he was one and he was very like he like any kid got up early and I was a working mom and so one night <clears throat> we had a side by side which thankfully I don't do anymore but back then it was fantastic because I put this little itty bitty Tupperware of milk on the bottom shelf uh-huh and he could get, he could open the door. Right. And I said to him, I said, this milk is going to be for your cereal. So when you wake up in the morning, you can have cereal. Not right. He's one. So he goes off to bed and I, you know, his little booster chair or whatever. And I put a bowl of cereal with a little napkin with a heart on it, cover it up with the little spoon next to it. And the next morning I'm laying in bed. And I'm like, the house is really quiet. And I'm like, is something wrong? And I go out 
And as I make my way down the hallway, single story home back then in California, and I make my way down the hallway, I hear the voices of the television. And then I look at the kitchen table and there is Ben sitting happy as a clam, eating his cereal, watching Saturday morning cartoons. And I was like, Ben, way to go. Like you having a good breakfast. He was like, yep. I mean, he was like, he was so happy. I don't know what he was happier about the cartoons, you know, that being fed and, or I knew in his face. Cause I said, good job, bud. You made your own breakfast. He said, yes, I did. Cause he had a, a, an amazing vocabulary for a one-year-old. And I thought it, that was like one of those subconscious triggers, like, wow, one years old. And he was able to experience such tremendous success. And I was like, why? I'm going to just see what else I can give to him to practice. And that was the foundation of my entire parenting and teaching was just to give ownership an opportunity back to the kid. And if they didn't make it, great, cool. That's what my job was. But boy, it was so much fun for them to surprise me and actually meet meet me where that high bar was. So yeah, that's that's one of my favorite stories. But maybe we'll call that the turning point. And thankfully, that was now 29 and a half years ago. So I've got a lot of history practicing what I preach. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. And, you know, same thing in the classroom is like setting them up to be as successful as possible. And if they don't make it, go back, regroup, figure out what the missing link was, the hole, whatever need to be filled in and fill it in. Yeah. So one of the interesting things that we're coming across with our coaching is, is parents think that this is going to be really hard or there's a lot of work involved. And one of the things that really confuses them is the advice that we give them is actually really simple little tools, really small things that they can change and how big of an impact that these small things. So, so is that, is that your experience or are you giving your parents like these complicated rituals or, or are oh you finding gosh. it's just really simple little common sense things that they can put into place really easy that they just didn't think about? Super simple, mm -hmm. like right in your own home. Super simple. Uh, you know, uh, I, I'm a big fan of communication. I think that's essential, especially as they get into teens and they don't want to talk to you anymore. But when we start that early, mm -hmm. then, then, then they're, then they become more able and willing yeah. to communicate, even if it's, you know, it doesn't have to be like the hard, intense stuff, but just to keep that open. <clears throat> we had a cup of conversation when my kids were growing up. So like eight o'clock, the tea kettle would go off and I would just holler up the stairs and it would be like, Hey, cup of conversations on in 10. If anybody wants to take a break and they'd come down, we'd have some decaffeinated tea and, or hot chocolate, usually tea and maybe a, a biscuit or a cookie or something low sugar, of course. And <laughs> And we would just chat 10, 15 minutes, just like a little brain break from their homework. And then I'd be like, okay, like, you know, off you go. And they'd be like, thanks mom. And done by like, yeah. just 
like an unexpected, like it's so simple. And it was a wonderful time to connect. And you knew you were doing something right when they said, hey, is, are we having a cup of conversation tonight? It was just like, well, I wasn't planning on it, but if you're asking, absolutely. So, exactly. So, so you have a set of parents come to you and their child is a little bit older and they haven't done this already. How do you get them started? It just takes longer. Okay. Right. It's kind of like somebody who has never been in a gym Mm -hmm. and because I'm also a personal trainer and they come and they're like, I've never worked out in my life. It's like, well, I I support you and we're going to do some really great things, but it's not going to take a week. Yeah. They're like, no, 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 I get it. So it's the same thing. It just, it just takes a little bit longer. Okay. Yeah. And yet we find that, or maybe you can, you can speak to this. Do you find that most of the parents who seek help wait until their kids are tweens or teens? Mm-hmm. And when the and big, yeah, that's when the issues start making big impacts and they right. forget that if they would have done something earlier, the child would have known how to handle those issues a little bit better at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's a whole lot of at the younger kids. Well, you just go do that. You just go do that. So there's more of a, of a sense of the kids have to do what the parents say. And then when there's actually that time for communication there, there hasn't been that build up that, that training to exactly. be able to talk. There's no, you just do what I say. And they expect that to continue. continue. Yeah. But that yeah. really, that really does need to grow as well and and with the children and and I wish I could get access to kids younger Mm -hmm. I just would because like people do not believe me when I tell them that Mike we didn't argue very much of course we had arguments we're not like these freak parents that you know families that were you know kumbaya all the time of course not but and I just remember if the kids said something you know, or asked for something that it was like, you know, there was a, we had a household economy and I would say, my answer would be, you know, can I do something? And I would say, well, let me check your account. And I you know, come back. It's like, gee, I'm really sorry. Your account is a little deficient right now. You need to make a deposit and then we can revisit this request, mm-hmm. which meant that they probably hadn't done their chores or they hadn't they hadn't done something kind or they what i mean whatever the metric was at the at the time and admittedly sometimes i made it up but i didn't have to say no you can't i deferred and that deferral it wasn't personal mm-hmm. it was just okay mom's got to check the account and i was like well let's make a deposit and it would be like oh well can i take the dog for a walk for the next three days. It'd be like, yeah, that would actually make your account really pretty healthy. I think that sounds great. Good. And I, they came up with the solution. Yeah. They were part of the solution. They made the deposit. There was no argument. So we just, there was, and they became brilliant negotiators. <laughs> I love it because you set them up for success. It wasn't a hard and- no. Was a how can you figure out how to make right. it? and problem solving? Like I have these two, my kids are the greatest problem solvers ever. 
And, and it, I think it, a lot of it stemmed from, I didn't get a no, so I have to figure this out. How do I get from point A to point B? And, but there was no argument. It was stinking brilliant. Yeah. Now, now there's a lot of parents who are actually afraid of their kids and their kids run the house and it's like, oh, I don't want the kid to cry. So, you know, my, my little angel can have whatever they want. And that like sets them up not for success, maybe in the short term, but in the long term, they think, well, all I have to do is cry to get what I want. And then when they get to teenagers and they start crying, it, it that doesn't work the same way. And so, yeah, I, I understand why helping the, the younger children get get that sense of responsibility and growth mindset mm -hmm. earlier can can really, really make a difference. And again, that's that's what we're trying to do as well. Yeah. I just wish we could make that impact. One of my one of my clients, the hardest thing I ever had to tell them, they were, and they looked at me like, you know, that deer in headlight. And I said, Well, unfortunately, this is what it looks like when your children, when your child is 18 and you have completely enabled them their entire life. And they looked at each other and then they looked back at me and they were like, You're right. That was really hard to hear, but we did this. And I was like, but you know what? It's good. It's, it's all good. We're just going to undo it. We're going to unable a little bit. And there's still hope. Like, don't, you know, there's this is not hope. a, it's not a finger wag moment. It's not a, you did this and you were a terrible. Blah. It's not mm -hmm. that. It's, this is what we have to deal with. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have to go back and establish some new expectations to use your word, Chris. And it's like, you know, just reset, reset, recalibrate. You got this because you don't, you know, I didn't finish my sentence. My brain goes faster. I love when kids fail at home, like fail forward at home because it's not failure then it's learning. Do all of that messy stuff when you're at home, because once you're 18 and you go out and you actually get yourself in trouble or you make the wrong choice or the wrong decisions, it's like real, it's like the real deal. Yeah. <laughs> like this is serious stuff then. And it costs parents money if they can't, I mean, it just, it gets really messy. So yeah. let's, let's get a lot of that messy stuff out of the way so that by the time they leave the nest, we're just like, we're here. Have a great, you're like, you're ready to fly. I've, I've secured and bolstered your wings. You got this. I love it. That is so awesome to hear. And that is the, I think that's the core point of it is we want to make sure that we are enabling our kids in a way that they're actually responsible. They are the ones who are taking it and moving forward with it. We're giving them the tools to set up to be successful. We're enabling our kids for success. We're not enabling our kids. kids. There you go. Yeah, well, and I, the, so I named my, the company, if you will, I just put everything under the umbrella of raising independence. Uh -huh. And when I was messing around with messaging, Drew, say that three times, that, you know, we either raise in dependence uh -huh. or we are raising independence. I never really went anywhere with that, but it's actually a really fun play on inflection, if you will. I love it. Love it. Love it. Awesome. Well, Janet, this has been a wonderful conversation. And before we leave, is there one more thing that you would really want to make sure that you said or you covered that you wanted our parents to hear? Just be willing. The greatest strength is to admit that you just need a little help. Mm -hmm. And that 
don't be afraid to ask for help. All right. And we will be putting your information in our show notes, but just so that they can hear it from you, what is the best way that if our parents want to reach out to you, how can they get a hold of you? What is the best way to get a hold of you? Well, I do have a landing page, but I admittedly, I it's it's janetkrebs.com. But I I just enjoy when people email me, quite honestly, because that starts the conversation. And I understand that there's really bright and shiny, glossy marketing out there. But my belief is that when we are working with parents, it's personal. So I just email me. I'm very approachable. Excellent. I usually get response. I mean, I, I, my response rate is definitely with usually within 48 hours. So just reach out to me. Do you want, are you asking for the email? Yeah, go ahead and say it. I, just, like it. I use a really simple one. It's, yeah. it's Janet Krebs. Ooh, there's one Janet Krebs, RI, which is Janet Krebs raising independence. So Janet Krebs, RI at yahoo.com. Beautiful. I love Super it. Simple. Thank you so much, Janet. It has been a pleasure talking with you. You guys are so fun. Yeah, I hope our families have gotten a little bit of awesome information and some little key tidbits that will help them along the way. And I know we're going to keep in touch because we have our paths will be crossing back and forth. But um, parents and families, let us know how we can help you. We're here for your success. And until next time. Are we good? Oh, we're good. All right. Thank you, everybody. Have, Have a wonderful, wonderful day. week. It was, it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Nope. <laughs>